Welcome to Wholehearted, a show to help you heal through heartbreak, build a more secure sense of self, and intimately connect with your partner. Whether you're single, in a relationship, or heartbroken, there is space for you here. I'm your host, Shannon Riley. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, what's up? Hello, podcast family. I'm so happy that we are here together on a Monday, fun day, or whenever you are listening to this episode. This episode I feel like is long overdue, but it really just never came into my mind in terms of doing an episode about it until today. So here we are now. I want to talk about resentment because I've said it a million times on this show that resentment is the number one killer of all relationships. And that goes outside of romantic relationships as well. But I feel like we've never done a deep dive on it. So hopefully today can serve as that deep dive. So strap in, get your scuba gear on because we are apparently deep diving today. So without further ado, let's start off with what resentment is, then I want to talk a little bit about my experience with it and how to let go of it if you are feeling resentful or if your partner is feeling resentful because there's kind of those two different opposite ends of the spectrum. So first things first, resentment is the feeling of frustration, judgment, anger, and or hidden envy related to a perceived unfairness or injustice. This could go obviously within a romantic relationship. That's heavily what we talk about here, but it could also go to a workplace environment, a friendship, or just systemic, right? So really, it's an emotion that we really often experience when we fail to set boundaries with other people or when we fail to ask for exactly what we need or when our expectations let us down because they were based on things that we can't control, like what other people think, what they feel, or how they're going to react to what we think and what we feel and what we need from them. And a lot of times, especially within a relationship, we grow so much throughout a relationship that our needs change. And we usually tell someone on, you know, first date, second date, third date, hopefully we say these things of, yeah, this is what I need in a relationship or from a partner. And then we leave it at that and we don't have that conversation ever again. And it may be helpful to have a consistent, maybe quarterly check-in with your partner or monthly or weekly, whatever you need, but a check-in with your partner to go over these needs because they're always going to change depending on who you are and what season of life you are in. And I hope that they change because it's a signal that you're growing and you're evolving. And that's hopefully her goal here. So when we start to feel resentful, something that can be really helpful is instead of thinking like, what are they doing wrong and putting that source of your feeling outside of you, take a minute and take a pulse to reflect into yourself and bring it internal of what do I think that I need from them, but I'm afraid to ask them instead of saying, you know, what should they be doing for me? So rather than dumping it on the other person, bring it back to yourself. That's going to force you to take accountability and take ownership and be introspective with yourself. And a lot of times we're really scared to do that because we've never done it before. We don't know how. And, you know, this is a great place to do that in therapy, like bring this conversation to your therapist. I think a lot of times we go to therapy thinking that our therapist is going to like, you know, start all these conversations with us and it, you know, they certainly can, but you are also allowed to start conversations with them and bring topics to your appointments that you feel like you're getting your time and your money's worth, right? So all that to say, that's a little bit about resentment. Also, resentment is 
definitely an emotion, right? But we can also acknowledge that it is a pattern. It's a thought pattern. It's a mental story that we run as well. And we typically, we just, once we have a little bit of resentment, it snowballs and it becomes a lot. And let's say, for example, you are super resentful with somebody who eats your food. Let's say it's your roommate and you, they eat your food and it pisses you off, but you don't want to be an asshole and be like, Hey, don't eat my food. But then they keep doing it, right? And you just keep getting resentful. And rather than in that moment when they reach into the snack cupboard and then grab your Oreos, you're like, you know, you're just rehearsing this story over and over and over again in your head about what it means, what they think about you, how they don't respect you, and who they are as a person, what their character is, and all this other shit, rather than they're just eating my food. It's this entire other thought pattern that comes with it. While it's also an emotion of feeling like you are in an unjust situation, right? And it's a lot of silence and it's very isolating at the same time. So it's a, it's a whirlwind of an experience resentment. So I'm glad that we finally get to have this conversation about it. So a little bit about my experience with resentment. So in romantic relationships, in my most recent relationship, my partner was resentful towards me for not moving to be up with him and not doing long distance sooner, but I was resentful towards him for not being logical in my explanation for why that wasn't logical and why that made me feel basically unsafe because in my previous relationship where there was a ton of built up resentment that honestly never got spoken of, even during the breakup, we moved in together very, very quickly, right? And I just, I learned that lesson the hard way that like you really shouldn't do that. And it was also a financial thing and just like a wrapping up my life in Charleston thing. Like there was just a lot of moving parts, right? And I felt like I was being very logical and I felt like he was being very emotional, neither of which are bad or wrong. It's just, we were on opposite ends of the spectrum. And clearly in that moment, what was happening, we were not meeting each other's needs, right? And because of that, we let resentment just become huge. And what this led to was essentially, I felt like we were in a duel. We were pointing our guns at each other, not literally, figuratively, but we were in a duel and guns loaded with resentment, just pointing them at each other. And I literally remember having a conversation. I was like, we either drop the guns or we are going to be in a shootout or we're both going to die, meaning our relationship is going to end. And I wanted to drop the guns and he just... I would say wasn't able to, and that's not necessarily a bad thing or wrong or anything. It just is how it goes sometimes and that's okay. So that's kind of how that played out in that circumstance. In my most previous relationship before that one, we just had a ton of resentment swept underneath the rug and we, it was just an avoidance. Like we just could not face it. I don't think that either of us had the emotional skills to handle that and have an adult conversation about that because we weren't adults. We were kids. We were, we were fresh out of college, still drinking. That's how our relationship started. And then a lot of emotional growth happened, but it happened individually. Uh, at least I can say so on my end. This was the relationship I got sober in and went to therapy and started doing breath work, like all of these different things, right? And a lot changed. And like I said before, like as you grow, your needs are going to change. We did not have that conversation. And I, I can at least say on my end, I didn't even know my needs were changing when they were changing. I had no fucking clue. Like I was just holding on for dear life with my therapist, to be honest, of like, what is happening to me? Like, oh my God, of all of this like 
essentially detangling all my shit and putting it back together in a new way in which the breakup of that relationship took it all apart anyway again and then I had to put it back together right and I think that's just that's life it's always it's inevitably going to happen that you're going to build something up it's going to fall apart you got to build it up again and you'll let go of some pieces that no longer belong in the in the art project and it will just keep happening and that's it's okay the sooner that you can accept the ebbs and flows of life the sooner you can just begin to enjoy the present moment and regardless of where you are right so anyway all that to say Certainly, I've had my fair share of resentment within romantic relationships. Now, let's talk about professional relationships. Let's talk about careers. So, in my most recent job that was not online, um, I worked at a wellness facility and I helped them with social media. And then I actually got into social media managing for people as like a contract, like a paid for service. Okay. But I was still helping this location with their social media for free. So you can imagine how I felt doing so. And there was many other things other than the money that allowed my resentment to just boil over. Okay. So my needs were not being met. What does that need? My need for payment, right? Financial payment was not happening. Why is that? I never asked. I offered to do social media, right? And then eventually I had a sit down with my boss and we were talking about this and I said, hey, um, I'm feeling these ways because I have been doing social media for free here and I am no longer comfortable doing that. If you would like me to continue, I can write out a proposal of what that could look like for you. And he said, okay. And we never talked about it again. So in that moment, I expressed what I needed from him, right? And then we moved forward. And then my resentment, at least in that con- that one compartment of that job, dissipated, right? It w- there was still in other places. But all that to say that resentment can be in literally any type of relationship. It can also be within friendships, right? When we don't communicate with each other. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, go ahead and listen to it. There are so many times where you need something from your friend and they don't show up. But like, did you ever tell them that you needed them? Did you say, hey, I need you to check in with me on Monday because I know I'm going to have this appointment and I'm going to be losing my shit? Or did you just passive aggressively say like, oh, I'm, I'm really nervous for my appointment on Monday? And they're like, oh yeah. And meanwhile, like your friend, they have a million things to do on Monday. But as a true friend, at least in my damn opinion, this whole show is just my opinion. I, you know, if my friend said, hey, on Monday I have this thing and it's like really, you know, eating at me, I would write that shit down on my calendar and I'm texting you on Monday. Hey, how are you doing? Or somebody's running a half marathon. They tell me six months in advance. I'm putting it on the calendar because it doesn't take much effort for me to do so. And it, at least I... I'm doing what I think I would feel on the receiving end of that. I feel like if somebody did that for me, I would feel like a million dollars and like I matter to them and that would just feel amazing and I felt cared for and I want to allow that feeling to happen for my friends, for me, right? So I'm going to go out of my way to do those things. However, a lack of communication within our friendships very easily leads straight into anger and resentment, right? Because you're like, well, I would do this for them. And it's like, yeah, you would have. And that's great. But like, that doesn't mean that they're going to do it for you. Did you specifically ask them to do it for you? No. Okay. Well, that's a controllable that you can control. Now, if you ask them to do it and then they don't, that's a different conversation. They're showing you that your needs don't matter that much to them. Now, if they do it one time out of a hundred, 
it's all right. Let it slide. It's 1%. But if they do it nine times out of 10 and you're at a 90% failure rate in your friendships of getting your needs fulfilled, then it's not really a friendship, right? And that's a different conversation to have. All of this to say, resentment can show up in any area of your life. It can also just show up in your habits, like it, literally anywhere, right? So if your habits are no longer fulfilling you, they're no longer meeting your needs, but you're still doing it because you just feel like you should. Some girl on Instagram said that you should go on a daily walk every single day, or some girl on Instagram said that you should put your legs up the wall before you go to bed at night to drop your cortisol, whatever. But then you're doing these things and you're like, I fucking hate doing this. I don't want to do this right now. It's not serving me then guess whose needs you're not meeting? Your own. So stop, right? Like resentment can show up absolutely anywhere. So now, how can we let go of it? I have this written in two different compartments. If you are feeling resentful, we're going to talk about that first. Now, if your partner or your friend or somebody comes to you feeling resentful, I'm going to speak to it in terms of a a romantic relationship when we get into it. But if somebody comes to you and they're feeling resentful, then what do you do? Because there's two different sides to that, right? Like resentment is a two-way street. So if you are feeling resentful, the first thing that you need to do is collect your thoughts. You need to take a day, a week, whatever you feel to journal on number one, what do you feel is unfair that is calling, causing you to feel resentful? And then once you come to that conclusion, like maybe you're like, it's unfair that I have to do the dishes and the laundry. Okay. Then ask yourself, is it unfair? Or are your expectations unrealistic? And be freaking honest with yourself. Be FFR. Be fucking for real. A lot of times our expectations are written 20 years ago on these people that came into our lives a year ago, right? And that's sometimes fair because it might be a societal expectation. Like, you know, don't be a dick. Like that's a pretty good expectation. But maybe if it's like, well, women should do these things. Like that's, you know grow up. <laughs> like, you know, it's 2020. It's basically 2024 at this point. Like you, some expectations are expired and some of yours, your personal expectations outside of the societal expectations are also expired, but you don't know it. And you're just leaving them in your refrigerator and they are growing mold. And this mold is now the resentment. However, what can you do? You need to throw out the thing that is originating with the mold with is, which is the expectation. It's not actually the refrigerator, which in this analogy would be your relationship. And that was a little backwards. I hope you followed me there. But all that to say, is your expectation or what feels unfair to you, like, is it realistic or not? And then lastly, ask yourself, what needs of yours are not being met here? And have you expressed those to your partner? Because sometimes, as we've said, you don't even know what your needs are. Okay. And then if you don't know what they are, how the hell are they going to know what they are? And then how would they fulfill them? Like, it's just, it's an impossible situation, right? Like the odds of that being successful are extremely low. So let's control the controllables so that we can make the success rate higher, right? So you need to get clear on what your needs are in this relationship. And I mean, obviously we're talking about resentment. So let's say you are feeling resentful because your partner never initiates sex. Okay, what does that mean to you? You would like somebody, one of your needs is that they initiate sex. Maybe it's only 10% of the time. Maybe you don't care, but it is still a need as worth taking note of and worth expressing to your partner. So you just need to get freaking clear on these things and be honest with each other. Okay, so now that you know what your needs are and you're ready to talk about this, 
Now you need to vocalize it as soon as possible because what happens? Resentment snowballs. The longer you let it linger, the bigger it grows. And we don't want that. However, you do need to I guess, let it linger, like I just said, for a certain amount of time until you get your shit together, until you get your thoughts collected so that you can come to this conversation prepared. You don't want to show up there and be like, I'm resentful, period. Like you're not going to get anywhere, right? You need to do the work beforehand so that this can be a productive conversation. And doing the work beforehand will also require you to let it linger. So guess what? You need to put a pep in your step of doing this reflection because you can control how fast you reflect on these things and journal on these things or maybe have conversations with the people that you love that are mindful and aware and not just going to like throw gasoline on your fire but are actually going to help you be productive and conscious or your therapist or whatever you need to be productive and speedy with this process as speedy as you can be okay that's on you that's your responsibility then once you are there you need to tell your partner hey I want to have a conversation with you about XYZ things. I'm feeling resentful and I would like to work through this with you. Let's schedule a time to have an uninterrupted, grounded conversation. Okay. This doesn't mean, this does not mean it's Tuesday night. You've been home all day. You just did all of the dishes, all of the laundry, you cleaned the house, you took care of the kids, da 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 da. And then your partner walks in the door and you're like, hey, sit down. Like, we need to have a conversation. Mm-mm-mm. No, you, sorry that this can burst your bubble. You are not entitled to a non consented conversation. Let me say that again. You are not entitled to a non consented conversation. That sucks. It sucks. It's so annoying. I really hate that. (laughs) Trust me, I don't like it either. Because you just want to go in there guns blazing like, hey, we need to have this conversation. Why? Because resentful is also partially anger. And anger has a lot of energy. And it's like it wants to get big and loud and it wants to protect you and defend you. And sometimes forcing somebody into a conversation is how we fulfill that. But what does that actually do? It shoots us in our foot. It's not going to help us in the long run. So a big part of this conversation is you need to choose long-term success over short-term gratification of feeling better about yourself in the moment. You need to choose long-term success of this relationship, whatever that looks like, and that could even mean breaking up over feeling better for yourself right now. Like you can't be selfish about it because it's just not going to get anywhere. Now, that doesn't mean throw all your needs out the window and care only about them and don't be selfish. It just means you have to be grounded in yourself. Okay, that's what I mean. Okay, now you have your scheduled little resentment appointment with your partner, okay? You're gonna, when you have this, you are going to share when it started and why. This is important. You want to give them a timeline because here's the thing about resentment. It's so lonely. Like you were, you're kind of by yourself in this process and that sucks. It sucks to feel disconnected from your partner. And if your partner is loving and empathetic and compassionate and all these things, they will be able to recognize and acknowledge that. So you want to say, hey, last week or hey, five years ago, I started feeling resentful because of these things. Now, when you are sharing what these things are, Try your damn best to come from a non-attacking place. How can you do this? Really watch your mouth. Like my mother would always say to me, she still does. Watch your fucking mouth, right? Stop attacking them and expecting them to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like if you throw a knife at somebody, do you expect them? I mean, hopefully they don't to just be like, 
oh, I'm sorry that your knife hit me. It's like, no, they're going to be like, what the hell are you doing, you piece of shit? Like, you're trying to kill me over here. Like, I'm going to try to kill you now, too. So stop doing that with your language. You need This is why you need to collect yourself beforehand and do this from a grounded state of like, take a deep breath, take a deep breath, and don't let your anger win in this moment. Long-term long-term success over short-term gratification, right? So you need to share when it started and why, what led you to this. And then I want you to, and maybe this is something you should reflect on as well, is what does your mind tell you about yourself and about your partner, about your relationship when resentment comes up? So let's say when you feel resentful about your partner not buying you flowers, okay? what does that mean? What does that tell you about yourself? It tells me that I'm just not worth him. I'm not even a second thought. When he's at the grocery store picking up beer to come home and sit on the couch and watch football and he walks by the flowers, he does not even think about me at all. He doesn't give a shit. So that's what that is telling you about you. That's the mental story that comes up with that. Okay. And then what does it tell you about your partner? It tells you or tells you about your partner that he could like, he doesn't care about anything or he just cares about himself or he's really selfish or he's a narcissist or he's an alcoholic or he's a lazy son of a bitch like whatever it may be that's about him okay then what does it tell you about your relationship it's saying we don't have a relationship in which we have authentic conversations and that's like a huge jump somehow it goes from no flowers to like we have no connection like it's it's a massive leap so get clear on what those leaps are and then share them and then Lastly, if you have any other thoughts that you came through or came to during your reflection, this is obviously the time to share that with them. Okay, now you've laid it all out on the table. Now you need to let them respond, right? Now, there's a couple different options here. Ideally, in an ideal world, you have a loving and compassionate partner who is able to respond with empathy and a collaborative resolution. Now, let's break these two things down. Number one, empathy. What the hell is empathy? It's talked about all the time, but what actually is it? So here are five elements of what empathy is. Number one is perspective taking. What does this mean for you? And what is that experience like for you? You are trying to understand their experience in their shoes, not yours, not from your ex- previous experience in something similar, but their experience. You're putting yourself in their shoes. And number two, you're staying outside of judgment. You just listen to them. You don't put any of your mental bullshit on it. You don't put any of your values on it. You just listen to them and you do not judge them because guess what? Even if you're right when you're judging, you're wrong. So cut the shit. No judging. Then number three, you are recognizing the emotions that are playing out in this situation. So how can I touch within myself something that helps me identify and connect with what the other person might be feeling? You can even ask questions to do so. And this could be like trying to clarify what you're hearing. Like, for example, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I'm hearing from you. You felt this because this happened. Is that true? And let them answer. What are they going to do? They're going to expand on it. They're going to give you more insights. They're going to give you more essentially collateral to try to understand where they are currently at with their emotions. Number four, you need to communicate our understanding about the emotion. Sometimes this is elaborate and very detailed, or sometimes it could just very simply put be like, damn, this is huge. This is heavy. This is hard. This is challenging. This is sad. I am sorry. 
Keep it stupid simple. You don't need to be this like poetic author. It doesn't need to go there. Keep it simple, but acknowledge that you are hearing them. And then lastly, you need to practice mindfulness. This is not pushing away emotion because it's uncomfortable for you. You instead need to feel it with them and move through it with them. That is true empathy. You're taking their perspective. You are not judging them. You're recognizing and communicating and understanding their emotions and you are being mindful at the same time. It's a big task. It's not easy to be empathetic at all. That's why we miss the bullet a lot of the time. But if you can really take a pulse, take a beat and try your damn best to do so, it makes a world of a difference in terms of long-term success in a relationship. Okay. Now, what do I mean by a collaborative resolution? This is when you want to work through all of the details of this problem in unison so that the solution reflects your and their opinions and needs. This requires obviously a very heavy open mind, trust within the relationship, and some creativity. You're going to have to think outside of the box. And this takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy, but it's also the best way to move forward long-term because it's a win-win solution. It's not compromising, which a lot of people will say relationships require compromise, but then what are you doing? You're both making sacrifices. You are both sacrificing your needs. And you know, it's a conversation for a different day of if that's required for a successful relationship. But I don't know about you. I don't want to sacrifice myself and I don't want my partner to sacrifice themselves in any way, shape or form. So instead, I would love to find a collaborative resolution, even if that requires being creative and thinking outside of the box. So Ideally, when they are responding to you, when you bring your resentment to the table, they come at you from a loving, compassionate, empathetic, and collaborative place. Now, if they do not, this is a hard conversation. Strap in. Like we said, this is the deep dive. If they blame you for your experience or shame you for your feelings or minimize your emotions or try to deflect to their own resentment or like tit for tat situation or anything else besides this empathetic collaborative resolution, this is something for you to take note of. I am not going to tell you what to do with that. I think you probably know what I would say. However, you need to take note of this because here's the thing. Do they do this all the time? Like, is this their pattern? Is this exactly who they are? Or did you not get consent to have this conversation and they just had a long ass day at work? Their boss chewed them out and they're scared they're going to get fired tomorrow. And then they walk in the door and you come at their throat and then they snap at you and go tit for tat. Like, that's a different story, right? Like, It depends. Context matters in everything. It certainly matters here. If they do this shit all the time, if they have no inkling of showing you that they are able to be empathetic and collaborative with you to move forward, then fill in the blank. (laughs) However, if they just had a bad day or maybe they're having a bad week or maybe they're really struggling with anxiety or depression right now and they get snippy with you or they're not able to move forward with you, Here's the thing. Number one, you can be compassionate for them. Absolutely. However, that does not mean that you are required to stay in this relationship. Let me say that again. You can be compassionate. You can love them. You can support them, but it does not mean that you are required to stay in this relationship if your needs are going unmet for a prolonged amount of time. That sucks. Now, some people would argue with that, right? Like in marriage, it's till death do us part in sickness and in health and all of the things, right? And you know, 
if you believe in that, by all means, that's your belief and that's your contract with yourself and with your partner and with your relationship. However, I really encourage you to take note of your level of satisfaction in your relationship and how that impacts your satisfaction in your quality of life. Because that is your fucking health right there. Like straight up down to your DNA in your gut. That is your health. Like, are you willing to be sick over this? And I'm leaving that silence in there. Are you willing to be sick for this relationship? And if you are, that is a big conversation to have with a professional mental health person. Because why are you willing to sacrifice your health for somebody else? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I would, I guess I am biased because it's, I mean, it's all my opinion, but I really hope that you're not willing to do that because you are worth so much more than that. And you can be perfectly okay and healthy on your own. You do not need to sacrifice yourself and your authenticity and your damn health and wellness and your quality of life for a relationship. No, no, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole here, but please hear me on that. Now, Let's get back into what I want to talk about. <laughs> because if they always react this way, you need to take note of that. If they don't, then that's also something to take note of. So that is everything in terms of if you are feeling resentful. Now, also before we wrap that up, if you cannot let this shit go, if you are feeling resentful and you cannot let it go from the past, this is going to be blunt and I want it to be. You are using the pain of the past to be your map of the present and you're choosing to torture yourself. You are using the pain of the past to be your map of the present and you are choosing to torture yourself. What about holding on to this resentment feels safer to you than letting it go? Which leads to the final question here is how is it serving you? How is it creating your mental identity of who you are within this relationship and what this relationship is and who your partner is and the interdynamics of what is going on inside of your relationship and how you relate to each other, how you connect to each other. There's a lot to dig into there, which we don't have time to do on this show. So let's move on to the final part. If your partner is feeling resentful, remember empathy. We just went through all things empathy, right? Taking the perspective, staying outside of judgment, recognizing, communicating, understanding their emotions and practicing mindfulness. If they can do it for you, you can do it for them. You need to recognize that resentment is a really, really lonely experience because an undertone of what they're sharing with you is that they feel disconnected from you in your relationship. And regardless of whose fault it is, you can acknowledge that because it's just sad. Like nobody wants that within a relationship. Then once you have acknowledged that and their emotions and all the things, you need to get clear on what needs of theirs are going unmet. And if that's something that you were able to ethically and authentically meet within yourselves. Now, if they're outside of your morals and your desires, you cannot authentically meet them. What does this mean? If this is like the little things, fine you can let that shit slide. But the big things, it's not good anymore. It's a breach in compatibility and it's no longer suitable for a long-term successful relationship. For example, I have experienced this. This is my example. If you are not a cuddly or touchy-feely person, if you are like, don't touch me, I'm like that. I really like, I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I, I'm, I'm sensitive to my skin and getting touched. I'm extremely ticklish and it's not cute. It puts me in pain. I don't like it. It takes 
a good bit for me to feel safe and comfortable with you to cuddle with you. And even if I literally fucking love you, you are my favorite person on the world. For example, my dog, I still have a limit on how much I want to cuddle you. And then I want my personal space because I just like it. And it's something that I need, especially in terms of sleeping. Listen, my back hurts when I sleep. Okay. So it's important to me, my posture, and I am not willing to put myself in back pain, crippling back pain so that I can make them feel cuddled. I'm not doing it because guess what? Then I'm in pain for days and weeks and that's not happening. I can't do that because guess what? It makes me resentful, right? So all this to say, if you are not a cuddly or touchy feely person and you are with somebody whose love language is physical touch and wants to cuddle and wants all of the touch and all of the feels and all of the things, it's going to drive you fucking crazy. It's going to drive you insane. It's an uphill battle. Now, are there ways around it? Yes. But you have to consider if you genuinely want to do this on a daily basis basis because originally like let's say you love this person to the moon and back right like oh this is my person oh my god I love them so much all the things like you're drunk in love right it clouds your vision literally and you're like yeah I can do that like it's fine I can give you a massage it's fine I want you to think about the time and energetic and physical commitment it is to giving somebody a massage or cuddling with them or having sex with them every single day for the rest of your life life. You better be damn sure that you like that shit. Imagine saying, I don't really like okra, but I'm going to eat it every day because they love it. And I chose okra there because I hate okra. (laughs) I hate okra. It's like, it makes me want to vomit. Not to say that like cuddling makes me want to vomit, but that's just the first thing that came to mind. Before you compromise in this way, remember that compromise is not collaboration. Okay. Collaboration could be like, Hey, I will pay for you to have a massage therapist once a week. (laughs) Like that's a that's creative. It's different. It's outside of the box. It might not hit the needs, right? Like they might want to connect with you. Right. And I hear that. Absolutely. But again, it could be a breach in compatibility and you need to take note of this because you don't want to be inauthentic with yourself at the bottom line. Now, you've gotten clear on the needs, you've empathetically heard them out, all the things. Now you need to make a game plan moving forward. What actions will you take? What actions are they going to take? How will you check in with each other and when? Like, when are you going to have a progress meeting and what does that sound like? How could you incorporate those meetings kind of into like your daily life? Something you could do at the end of the day, especially if you live together or if you're on the phone, whatever, is your highs and lows of the day. Now, this could be to the grand scheme of your entire life, the highs and lows of your day. Like, you know, that could be at work or on the subway or your coffee order or whatever it is. Or it could be your highs and lows of the relationship that day. You could also, it doesn't need to be a daily thing. It could be a weekly thing, a bi-weekly thing. Whatever system works for you, have a system in place. Because if you let this shit go unchecked, that's exactly what it is. It's unchecked and it's not managed. And shit that goes unmanaged is unhinged and that's not going to work out. I'm sorry. Like I know that our romantic comedy movies and all this bullshit holiday, clearly it's December, Hollywood preaches to us. It's like, oh, it should be easy. It should just, they're my soulmate. Like if you wanted to, he would. Like that works for like, you know, maybe 20% of the time. I'm sorry. You need a system in place for 80% of the time. At least it's my damn opinion. You can take it or leave it. Take me, leave the bones, right? Okay. So 
How are you going to have progress meetings? What is that going to look like? Do either of you need an apology from the other person? That's a big one. That's a tough one. And if they need an apology to you from you, can you authentically give that to them and actually mean it? And if you can't, that's okay. But you need to be honest about that. You need to tell them like, hey, I am sorry that you're feeling that way. And I'm. it's not authentic for me to apologize to you. Which guess what? That leads you down a conversation of maybe possibly terminating the relationship. And that's okay. It's all okay. Like, here's the thing. I know that breakups will really, when you're deep in a relationship, your brain will and your heart will tell you that the breakup is the end of your life. I swear on my damn life, the end of a relationship is not the end of your life. It's the end of the relationship, period. Now, that offers a perspective of maybe like we need to decenter our relationships a good bit so that when the relationship ends our world doesn't crumble which is a conversation for a different day so let's get back on track now let's say that you need to apologize and you feel like you authentically can do that here is my last little tidbit for this episode is how to apologize number one i am sorry that i this is acknowledging that you are sorryful right? And the ending of that I, I am sorry that I is holding you accountable. This is very different from saying, I'm sorry that you feel this way because that's about them. That's not about you. They don't want to hear about themselves. They want to hear you hold yourself accountable and recognize that you did something outside of the value of the relationship. Okay. Now, once you say that, you need to say, I realize that I made you feel because this is further acknowledging their emotions. You might be assuming here, but hopefully within your conversation, you know exactly how you made them feel. But either way, you are allowing them to feel seen and heard by you while also giving them permission to experience those emotions and validating them. Excuse me, men, do you want to make, if you are in a heterosexual relationship and you are a male, do you want to make your woman feel safe? do that. (laughs) Give them permission to feel their feelings. Just see and hear them within them. Like, oh my God, it literally is the best feeling in the world. Like just do it more often. Everybody do it more often. But like, I feel like men specifically can struggle with that because men aren't really, in my opinion, giving the tools to talk about emotions or any of these things so that when people start talking about theirs or their partner starts talking about their emotions to them, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, no, 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 no. They just want to be logical, right? Like, and get back into the details and the nitty gritty of like, well, this is this and this is how we move forward, blah, 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 all the things. And like, that's helpful. But we also need to feel our emotions at the same time. And same thing goes for men as well. We need you to feel your emotions too. Okay, so we said, I'm sorry that I, and I realized that I made you feel. Next, it's moving forward, I will. It is not an apology without this. You need to declare how you're going to change your behavior and put your damn money where your mouth is and tell them how you will prevent this from happening in the future because this shows them that you care and you care about the survival of the relationship, especially their satisfaction within it, okay? And then lastly, you need to ask them, will you please forgive me? Just because you apologized and you said what you're going to change and all the things does not mean that you are forgiven immediately, especially if there was a big breach of trust or whatever that may be. It's not just going to be a a band-aid and like, okay, now I feel great. I love you so much. Like, no, it's not going to go that way. So you need to put the ball back in their court and let them tell you if they will forgive you. And if they say no, ask what they would need from you in order to forgive you. 
for you, you need to make sure that whatever that is is in alignment with your values and worth it to you. If it feels excessive, share that, tell them and share why and maybe give it a possible alternative. Because again, collaborative resolution, you're being creative, you're working together. You are a team working to overcome an obstacle. You're not fighting each other and trying to beat each other, right? So all of this to say an apology is an art, right? And a lot of those pieces fall through the cracks because we've, we're never taught how to apologize, right? So hopefully that was helpful for you if you need to apologize. So to close out this episode, a couple more things. We need to give, sometimes we can do this. This might feel a little bit challenging, but like, and maybe a little challenge challenging and childish, but you could give resentment a more playful name so that you can discuss it without the charge that the title brings. Maybe you name it like Reynolds. (laughs) I'm just thinking of word or names that start with R. I don't know, like just whatever it is so that you can be like, hey, like Ryan's in the room. Like I'm kind of like skeeved up by him. You know what I mean? So that's like, it's this third party that you can face together, right? As a collaborative unit, as a team. And also something that can be helpful is discussing what being over it looks like. What I think it looks like is that you know when like you get triggered. Let's say like they did something that used to piss you off and make you resentful. Like they didn't do the ditches. They left a fork in the sink and it drives you bananas because it means they don't fucking matter. Like, or they don't think about you and you don't matter to them and all these different things, right? Like it means that it's never about the fork. It's about what the fork means. Now, let's say they leave the fork in the sink and you don't lose your shit. Cool. We're over it. Or they leave the fork in the sink and you almost lose your shit, but you take a deep breath and you stay regulated and you have the conversation like an adult. That also means you're over it because you're at least working towards being over it or you're at least not letting it win. That's important. That is being over it, right? Because resentment winning means resentment getting swept underneath the rug and letting it grow huge. Resentment or being over resentment doesn't mean that you never experience. You are absolutely going to experience resentment in your relationships 100% forever. Like it is inevitable because you're in a deeply intimate relationship, right? Like it's, it's bound to happen. It's the reaction to it that is the win or the loss in this circumstance. So Maybe another thing that could show that you're over it is that you shift the story. So for example, the fork in the sink, instead of saying, it just means that he just doesn't care about me. He literally knows how much this bothers me and he still does it. Like what an asshole. He only cares about himself. Oh my God, I'm alone. Da, 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 all these things. Instead of running that mental pattern, it's saying like, hey, he left the fork in the sink and that does bother me. And we've had a conversation about this. So maybe why would he leave the fork in the sink? Like, is there something going on in his life that would like lead to this decision or lead to this level of distraction that he would do this when he knows that this matters to me? What's going on? Is he really stressed out at work? How is his health doing? Does he have any appointments coming up that is like really stressing him out and worrying him? Or is he just exhausted? Like what's going on in his life? It's just a different mental pattern. It's a different story that you run. One is like just letting your shit go haywire. The other one is trying to be a little bit more logical and compassionate, right? So lastly, resentment is not always a bad thing right? It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And sometimes it's a sign that this relationship is not working out and you're going to have to have a conversation about breaking up. And that's a topic for a different day about how to go through the breakup and all these different things. But instead of trying to like 
run away from or avoid your resentment like the plague, maybe you just give yourself the opportunity to sit with it and go through these journal prompts that we talked about in this episode and be like, is this, is this an authentic relationship for me? Like, am I satisfied here? Yes or no? And just be honest with yourself and then take action from there and act accordingly. And sometimes that means breaking up and that's okay. So that is everything that I got for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed. I hope you learned something. If you did, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at shan.riley with three Y's, R-I-L-E-Y-Y-Y and leave a podcast review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show grow on its own and get into new listeners' ears. You can also share this to your friends and family if they struggle with resentment as well because it's the number one relationship killer and we don't want our relationships to be killed. So I hope that you enjoyed and I will see y'all same place, same time next week here on the podcast.